0: Welcome to Trendwatch, Innovate by Day's social media podcast, where we talk about the latest in digital communication and events. Here we are in the IBD Trendwatch studio (laughs) with the IBD Trendwatch team. My name is James. I'm your host, once again, for no other reason than that I like to say Trendwatch. All right, so we're going to go around the table and introduce ourselves and talk about our top pick of the week
1: all right i am sarah davis and my tech pick of the week would be facebook live they're introducing a live streaming function which is sort of like a combination of periscope and like a google hangout steven Amel, the main actor from arrow has been using it quite frequently it's very interesting and i'm very interested to see what they're going to do with it
2: I'm Drew Donaldson, and um, my pick of the week, it's not a new one, but I've gotten back into Vine, and I just think it's really interesting how they've kind of, even though Instagram introduced video, they've kind of taken it into, like, a whole, like, comedy sector, almost. Like, people are becoming stars from it, and you can't really become a star from Instagram video, but Vine, it's like a whole different world, kind of, and it's interesting.
3: I'm Chloe Um, uh, My pick of the week is the website Arts Cow. Um, And what I like about it is it lets me do the whole black milk print on clothing all around thing, but in my size for super cheap with my own artwork uh, or other artwork I find. Um, So I'm super digging that in the new accessibility gives me to nerdy fashion.
4: I'm Mark Chan. I really like uh, an app called Zello. It's a push-to-talk app. It can be used like a walkie-talkie radio. Um, Works over Wi-Fi or 3G, what have you, and the really cool feature that I like in it is uh, you can record, or rather the app records, the last set of messages sent to you. So you don't need to be like, oh, what was that? Can you repeat that? You can literally just play a rewind button and it will tell you what somebody said last.
0: Cool. My name is James Woods. Uh, I'm the old guy in the room. And as you are going to know when I tell you what my app of the week is, I have recently started, uh, started getting um, my magazine subscriptions via a newsstand on my iPad, and I freaking love it love it love it love it love it uh, just uh, the design elements that uh, that the big magazine companies are using to to give you the magazine reading experience with minimal invasive ads and and still have it be sort of smartly interactive is really really cool that you can take an a, uh, an article that takes, you know, two page, two or three pages to uh, to put together in a print magazine, and have it all on one page that you just scroll through stuff and ha- and have little pop ups for the sidebars and things. It's just, it's incredible. So like my yoga magazine, my bicycling magazine, my running magazine. You would think that I was way more fit than I am based on what <laughs> I read. Um, but I've got but I, and my and my guitar magazine are all on my uh, on my newsstand, and I just I can't wait for the next one to get delivered. Uh, but one. Uh, one of the things that we really wanted to talk about uh, is uh, the concept of the sort of in-world marketing or story-world marketing, where a story property starts pushing out marketing that that really belongs in its own story world to try to draw you in, right? Uh, and we wanted to talk a little bit about the pros and cons of that, how to how to make it happen, uh, where it's where it succeeded, where it might not have done as well as the marketers would have liked. And whether we manage to remain authentic when we're doing that, because I, I think a lot of what we talk about here at Innovate by Day, we try not to think about things too much in terms of marketing in, uh, in what we do, that, that we really are about sort of engaging audiences and, and giving, giving audiences new ways into a story. Um, so with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about uh, in-world marketing. Who, who wants to give a, a, who, who wants to give a, a really good example of, of what in-world marketing is?
1: Um, Well, I think one of my favorite examples was actually for Cloverfield. For those of you who don't know, Cloverfield is a found footage movie that came out in 2008 about a monster destroying New York, which sounds pretty basic and like there's not a lot to do with it. But they did this incredible and in-depth in-world marketing campaign for it, where they set up MySpace pages for all of the characters. They set up uh, four or five different in-world websites that allowed fans of this movie to go and discover what the mystery actually was. So they treated the movie as just one slice of the overall story, so fans could go in and find out the whole story.
0: Now, is this something where they could go in and start finding pieces of the story before the movie was in the theaters?
1: Yes. They launched a bunch of like little kind of mystery websites. There's an in-world government website, an in-world company website that one of the characters has a job at. There's this whole vlog series for a character that in the movie you see her passed out in the background. She's not even a main character, but if you go into this website, you find out a whole bunch of backstory that leads you to understand what the monster is, where it's from,
3: and why it's attacking New York.
0: Now this is the kind of stuff that takes a lot of pre-planning. Like this doesn't just happen.
3: I think right. that's I think that's the most important part of it. I think it's a really big undertaking to do well. And I think you also have to have a story that plays really well into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, that's why a lot of the time, I mean, I say on some things that there's no need to do an in-world marketing campaign if you don't have a rich and diverse world in which you're building from. So something like a Cloverfield where there's a monster attacking New York and you have a lot of setup for that. Like that's not just a, oh, we woke up one morning and there's a monster outside our window. Like that's not how this works. But something that's a little lesser, it's a little hard to say, okay, we need a character uh, Twitter account or something like that. That builds onto it because there's not a ton to build onto.
4: Mm-hmm. I think there's I think there's simple ways to do it though, um, where you don't have to go quite as far as like making character blocks and stuff. But like Ant Man's entire campaign was yeah. very good, where you would like find lamp posts that had like dents in them, and if you went up really close, there's like tiny figures of Ant Man and whoever he's fighting. Or the mini
2: like, billboards that were everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mini
4: billboards and things like that, and. I think, you know, it can be done with elegance. It can be done with simplicity. Um, you don't have to go very far, but you have to have the right idea.
3: Mm-hmm. See, I don't know. To me, those don't feel like... I mean, there are in-world campaigns, but yes. to me, yeah. it doesn't feel as much as, say, a Cloverfield mm-hmm. or what Mockingjay slash the whole Hunger Games right, series. Right, Mockingjay did. Part 1. Or even, down.
4: even Jurassic World, well, where yeah. they treated it as if the park was real. A real amusement
3: mm-hmm. park, yeah.
2: And, I mean, and everything
3: that being said they didn't take it as far as they could have because universal is sitting on two theme parks they didn't update in time for the movies which i think is possibly the most tragic thing ever mm-hmm.
0: now when we're looking at at uh at properties like this though i mean when we talk about something like a cloverfield uh or mockingjay part one which again like the Capitol couture ads and mm-hmm. the uh, even with mockingjay part two i just saw a uh I think today that was, um, you know, sort of a, a dispatch from the rebellion. Spoiler alert, you know, District 12 destroyed with a, you know, beautiful shot of uh, Katniss walking out into the devastation that, that purports to be from inside the story world. With with these, these, these all seem to be kind of like, these are tentpole movies. This is not, you know, a, a small movie launch. It's not your indie feature. You're, so I... I Can't imagine that this kind of thing is going to necessarily work with, you know, a small independent film or a festival release sort of thing.
4: It historically has, um, not not quite in a big way, but like, when you consider that Yogi Bear was one of the first examples of in-world marketing, where they opened Jellystone Parks, like they licensed a bunch of parks to be Jellystone Parks so that the Yogi Bear brand would reflect back on that television series. And that's, that's like the first example I can think of where a small studio, relatively, Hanna-Barbera was not a big studio yet, managed to actually do sort of in-world marketing and say, hey, come out to Jellystone National Park, maybe you'll see Yogi Bear. And then they sometimes put their mascots in the parks. So you can be a small studio and do it, but you have to have the right licensing deals.
2: Or Even something like like Lonely Girl Fifteen, if mm-hmm. anyone remembers that, yeah. it was yeah. that started as just like what so- someone assumed was a girl's vlog, and then it kind of turned into this whole thing. It wasn't for a movie, but it was a very like grassroots kind of starting point for like this huge thing that then turned into like a whole mystery and series of videos and blogs and things. I got really into
1: it. I think the big thing with like smaller indie in world campaigns is they have to have more to them than just being directly related to their property. Oh, yeah. So with vlogs or with Jellystone Park, for example, I mean, those still function as a park. People would still go mm-hmm. to it. It wasn't directly relying on the content to make it relevant. Mm-hmm. True. And so I think smaller properties have to be more palatable, I think, to work.
3: I've seen it done a lot on, like, actually, we're in Toronto, and there's a huge web series scene here. And I've seen a lot of these little web series doing that. And I think what they they do best is they pick sort of one thing. Is they don't say it has to be this broad sweeping campaign like the big tentpole movies can afford to do, both monetarily and time-wise. But they say there's one thing that, you know, is the hook for our series, and that's what's going to be the in-world thing. So, is it a vlog because... You've got a character who's the right age to vlog and who's the right temperament to vlog. Is it with Carmilla? It was sort of they had Tumblr accounts for some of the characters because that made total sense in the thing. With Ruby Sky PI, there was a library that was focused on children's literature that was in the second season, so there was a law online space that was the library. But it didn't, like, have to constantly dig for the actual stuff inside the story. It was digging for young adult novel reads and how to make crafts that tied into this library's bigger focus. And yes, there was a ghost story and all that backstory sort of thing, but it was such a small part of it. So I think you just have to have, like, that nice hook and say, this is our hook and it's not just the character is doing this and therefore...
2: Yeah, yeah I agree. and so th- I think that, like, when it with an indie, like, you, they have to think smaller but mm-hmm. smarter. And, like, a big thing like Hunger Games, they can be like, We'll do all these, like, websites and capital stuff, oh, yeah. and they can do it, like, big budget. But almost the indie ones are almost better because they have to think smaller.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
4: You have to have a fair bit of money to do something like even what the Simpsons movie
0: did, which is take over a bunch of Seven 11s and make them into Lucky yeah. Marts. Does it make a difference, for instance, with a with an ongoing property like it's something like The Simpsons, uh, which you know, when the when the movie came out already had what ten seasons in the bag at least?
3: More oh God, not, like twenty something, 10,
0: 14? Like it was because like that was a while ago
3: yeah yeah but yeah. still had like 20 something yeah
0: so so I mean there's there's already that brand recognition of story world stuff. Mm-hmm. so what do you do when it's uh, when it's something that that's brand new you've got a brand new property <laughs> and you want to pull people into the story world is it worth doing in world marketing uh, for for something that's brand new that nobody's seen before and and if so how do how do we
3: drag people into the world I think if it's unique enough on its own, that it's such a hook that it would actually be a real person or a real place or a real thing, go for it. But I think if it's not someone experiencing a new experience um, and going living in a new place or something like that, it's a little harder than say, oh, she's gonna open an Instagram and it's gonna be their daily life. It's like there's a million Instagrams of real humans who don't have very many followers, mm-hmm. <laughs> daily, you know, daily macchiato type stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. I think with smaller properties like that, it's got to be something where if someone had never had a clue about the property, they would still lock that it. At- look at it and go, "Oh, that's cool." Mm-hmm. Or, "Oh, that's interesting." Or, "That makes me curious." Mm-hmm. It can't just be something that people go, "Oh, yes, I've heard about that. That's
3: cool that they're tying it in." Right. Mm-hmm. I think I think the more established properties have the ability to almost get away with stuff in a way that, "Oh, it's cool they're tying it in. It's really obvious yeah. what they're tying in."
0: Right? Yeah, so so if so if Netflix suddenly decided that they were going to promote Friends being on by opening pop-up central perk locations. Right. Yeah. How many of us would like you know, flock well, to yeah, there you just to just to bring home the coffee cup? Or and anything? you
3: don't, don't need that. anything. Did
0: they yeah, in New York? <laughs> jeez Louise. Here I thought I I had
4: something brilliant.
1: (laughs) should work for Netflix. Or
4: even like leveraging one of your stars, like they did that for Terminator Genesis, Mm -hmm. and just Schwarzenegger walking around as the Terminator talking to people at Madame Tussauds. Oh, scaring the living crap out of people at Madame Tussauds!
0: I love those those videos. Right,
3: like that stuff is you have to rely on your content. It's just like you have to rely on a good Mm -hmm. opener to your series and a good pilot. You have to rely on something that's really unique and special that's going to get the eyeballs not maybe at the same level as Schwarzenegger scaring living daylights out of people because he's not a wax figure, but that has the same kind of pop factor, right? Like Mm -hmm. the thing I always say about pilots is you know when you've watched a good pilot because at the end you're like, oh my god, I have to keep watching. They've got a hook at the end. So your in-world marketing almost has to have that same hook but in a longer, long-tail, sustainable thing. Mm -hmm. I also think it's sustainability. What the nice thing about established properties is there's a lot of sustainability there for one reason or another. Everything didn't come out of the Hunger Games suddenly and like, oh, we totally know what Panama is about. There's an established universe there, right? With the Harry Potter world like the physical world in Orlando, they couldn't have done that the first year of the book because she hadn't established enough physical space. Mm -hmm. Now you can go, okay, millions of children have read read these books. Now I'm going to put a train ride in between the two parks and spend millions of dollars to do that Mm -hmm. and then break in four times that amount in the first year. Well that's just it. It's gotta be a story world that people want to immerse
1: themselves in. Well,
0: if you look at the Harry Potter story world, I mean so many grown-ups wanna be in that world. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, the mm-hmm. those, the people that the people that are going to Diagon Alley are as much the adults as the kids. Let's let's be real.
3: You have to be an adult to pay for it, straight up. <laughs> but I'm saying they know their they knew their hook in the second time they were building out that park was it's not enough just to have two parks of Harry Potter stuff. Sure. I mean, you can do that. That's nice. But their main hook was, you can take the train to Hogwarts. Yeah. Absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, that's it. That's the thing. Their whole marketing campaign is literally, you can take the train to Hogwarts. Because they know that's part of the in-world story that people are craving to be part of. It's so ingrained in it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you sort of were to say to someone, you need to take the train to go to Genowage for something, it's a little bit harder because it's not an established thing and there's mm-hmm. no rational reason to get on this train. Train. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's really, really interesting. I, I think there, there's something about the sort of real-world extensions of, of those story worlds that that kind of rely on the fandom. Already, right? Like the idea of, it's like, say, doing it. I'm going to sound really old. Here, doing like the uh, the Sex and the City tours in, in New York or a Seinfeld tour mm-hmm. in New York, mm-hmm. where they go around to the locations that were that were proffered in the in the TV shows, because people want to be where it was, where their where their stories were told.
1: You have to be aware of the line between. Cool, immersive in-world marketing and tricking people. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and I think audiences can smell a rat. Like they can, mm-hmm. they can tell when when something is disingenuous, um, and it, and, it, and it's, it takes it's a very fine balance to be able to do that kind of thing. Um, we worked on one show that had uh, that had an in-character Twitter account that was spilling sort of character secrets and rumors and things um, from. From the story world, mm-hmm. the, uh, the idea being that this that this character was, you know, feet on the ground in the story world was not impressed with the the lead characters and would spill little bits of gossip over the course of the season and and would finally sort of out himself as one of the characters on the show.
3: I followed the Glee in character ones. For the first season but they got wildly different they seemed so wildly different than the people on screen through the editing process that in the end they didn't they seemed more like fan accounts but they were the official ones it was just sort of like there were weird things and they would post out sort of out of sync with the show and they wouldn't post very often and when they would post the characters seemed meaner than they did on television it seemed more like whoever was in charge was reading a season one script on like a season five character arc and it just sort of was a lot of like I'm like there are people who are writing your characters better on Tumblr. I'm just gonna go there instead.
0: Well, and this this is the thing with the with the fans that write in in character. Mm-hmm. They have the resources to do that because it's something that they really really want to do. Right. Right. That it's not it's not a part of their job or it's not it's not you know regulated by uh, the the advertising budget for the show. When fans do it, it's because they really 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 want to play in the world.
2: Mm-hmm. It's and, almost always better when fans do it as opposed to like oh god uh, yes. the company that's doing
0: it well that's
1: just it they've got that passion behind it and so the person creating in world marketing needs to have the passion yeah. for the project that a fan does i yeah. think i think they're have...
0: all like that in this
3: <laughs> <laughs> i think they also have to have the freedom that fans have in some ways too yeah. is that it, instead of getting something vetted by seven or eight or nine or ten people which sometimes we find is these fans if they want to say this character likes this specific thing. They're the only one in charge of that decision. They could be wrong, and they could be outed as being wrong in the next episode in canon, or the next day, but for that moment, they're the only person solely in charge of every decision coming out of that person's mouth. And that's a huge thing to ask when, in general, this is such a collaborative process.
4: And It really, it really is the like reverse product placement that we're talking about that is so hard to create. Because like, if you put... A can of coke and a scene and Coke doesn't have to work very hard for that to be believable, mm-hmm. but for you to put your product that you're attempting to market to somebody in the real world and make it feel like it belongs in both, that's, that's a lot of creative work. Yeah,
1: I think that's why sci-fi and fantasy properties in my opinion seem to do it yeah. the best because I mean a lot of people kind of like to believe that that can sort of fit within our day-to-day without feeling forced. It's sort of like everyone has that little fantasy or, you know thinks about the possibility of aliens or whatnot in your day-to-day mm-hmm. life. It feels a lot more like fiction, so it's easier to meld with fact, if that makes mm-hmm, any mm-hmm. sense. Whereas if someone's like, oh, here's something super factual, and it should fit into your version of fact, it's a bit harder to meld the two ideas. I think
3: that's a good point. I think that's why sort of a more, like, well, for instance, the the lemony Sticket potential in-world marketing campaign that is currently <laughs> going on right now for a series of unfortunate events... It doesn't take place in the real world. It doesn't even take place in something vaguely related to, like, it's not even, like, a historical-type piece. It's just that this is their world, these are their established locations, and it doesn't matter if they did open a Twitter account, which supposedly they have, in quotation marks, mm-hmm. because everyone's going to admit they don't exist in universe A. They exist in universe B of a series of unfortunate events, which happens to also have Twitter, apparently.
2: Yeah, because it's not really, mm-hmm. like, a current day, but it's not old-fashioned, it's just its own just, thing. Well, it's yeah. funny,
3: because the way they do it is, like, the Baudelaire's
1: story is universe B, and we're in universe A, and Lemony Snicket is, like, the tie between it because he breaks the fourth wall and speaks to us. Right. Yeah.
3: It's why I think a lot of this Deadpool marketing is working right now, too, because it's, I mean, they're basically saying, fourth wall oh this thing that i destroyed on the ground over here yeah that existed but it's their whole thing well
4: that's sort of been the ingenuity of deadpool from the beginning was he was the character that could speak to the audience canonically because that's supposed to be like a thing he does right
3: so if i mean he or ryan reynolds were to start tweeting about like oh i guess i should start marketing my movie now no one would blink Any? i mean mm-hmm. no one would blink who knew what was going on
4: yeah and it's interesting because Deadpool is probably one of the earliest most successful versions of that where mm-hmm. he was in the comics already speaking to the audience and quickly became like the number one Marvel character everyone liked in a very short amount of time.
3: Well, yeah, I think I think people like the the wink and the nod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it's sort of just a really big case of of having the investment in the wink and the nod, and and being able to have that freedom too.
2: We haven't seen that a lot. Like in there used to be sitcoms like Saved by the Bell, where he would like talk to the yeah. screen and like look mm-hmm. right at you.
0: And you they Give don't. The Ferris yeah, Beaver, right?
2: they haven't. Done, there hasn't been a movie or a show that's done that in a while. It
0: seems. There's something to be said for being able to play in the world of of the show that you're watching, mm-hmm. though, right? I mean, oh, if yeah. you can, for instance, I, I know when when my kid was watching iCarly we're going back a couple of years, but being able to go to iCarly.com and play with the toys on the website and, you know, and, and play with, you know, getting going to McDonald's and getting Sam's little, let the record show that I'm holding up my hand and Pressing my thumb on imaginary buttons, the uh, sound effects clicker, the mm-hmm. uh, sound effects remote control that Sam uses on the show, and they and they marketed those through through Happy Meals, I guess, and and she was just like thrilled to be able to to be Sam for a little while.
3: And it, but it, that so t- totally makes sense. It's about vlogging, so that makes sense. Exactly, it was, a, it
0: was a perfect extension for that show.
3: It's like when I got the Spy Kids
2: kit. Yes! Like it was like so cool. You had all the stuff that they had in the movie.
3: Yeah. I
4: think it applies to adults as well. I know friends who have done like the Big Kahuna Burger thing because they're Pulp Fiction fans and they go across the United States on a road trip going to every Big Kahuna Burger, which was already a chain that existed that then got more popular because of the movie. But you know, people do that sort of stuff.
3: I think there's always room to think about doing in Story World. Always but I think you have to really know your property. I think it's not about being established, it's not about being new, it's not about being fictional or non-fictional or whatever. It's about really knowing what your property has to offer that is unique and special and can be built on top of that, established or not. And it's not forced. Yeah, it really can't be forced.
0: That's great. I think we also shouldn't forget the audience. That uh, That's the one thing that's missing in our equation here, is that we really... We really have to consider what is going to work best for our audience. What what parts of the story world do they want to be engaged with and can we give those to them? I think that's the hallmark of of a really good campaign is that it gets people excited and it gets them talking among themselves. I think that's what makes it social. have to say goodbye to Drew Donaldson who's uh leaving us for some uh, temporarily temporarily yes. leaving us for adventures abroad <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit, a bit about what you're going to be doing
2: sure so um in about a week and a half or I guess it'll probably be almost right when this comes out yeah really by the time right. we
0: air right?
2: um I'm going to Central and South America for four to five months starting in Belize hopefully ending in Buenos Aires uh, with three of my friends, we're just backpacking.
0: Okay, so if you're in uh, if you're in Central or South America and you happen to run yeah. into Drew, <laughs> let, it,
2: let me know. Let me know what Give I just can a little do. little shout out. I'll be Instagramming and probably
3: blogging, maybe. Good. So we, Drew will be marketing in world her uh, sabbatical. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, so we're we're gonna we're going to miss your uh, your soft spoken voice you know, the, <laughs> on the podcast, but we'll look forward to having you back in five or six months. Yes, right? um, and hopefully we'll have a uh, we'll have a new voice in Drew's chair next week. But we don't want we don't want to give anything away. Spoilers.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks everyone for tuning in to Trend Watch Innovate by Day's social media podcast. Visit us online at InnovateByDay.ca on Twitter at InnovateByDay and like us on Facebook.